you ask those same people, because just the kind of hubris of some people, mm. would you return uh, Nadal's serve? I mm. bet you there's still a lot of them would go, yeah, I could return his serve. Yeah, I could totally. return his, like, because both Serena and Nadal are in the top point yeah. percent of people who can hit a tennis ball. Like the gap from you play tennis once a year to returning a serve. A lot of them probably don't even play. Even, That's a they probably don't thing. have a racket. Like, yeah, it's funny. Just some people are just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That. A very special episode as always, not only because I'm joined by my one and only Shane W. Brennan. Hello, Shane. Hello. But we're also joined by joined. We're also joined by Joe Wallace, Global ECD and founder of Good Girls Eat Dinner. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a, uh, it's 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 always it's always a treat for us to get guests on, but even even more so when they're uh, a recommendation of a previous guest, as well as someone who's involved heavily in like working with big brands on big campaigns and campaigns that you recognize it's, it's always a bit of a bit of a starstruck moment a little bit so it's 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 an absolute pleasure to have you uh, on on the podcast um can i ask when i ask you to to pick your 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 three favorite ads it's usually a question that either really excites people as in they're really excited to show their ads or it's terrifying because they're going to be judged by the three ads that they shortlist. How did you react to, to that question? Yeah, I think I might be in the latter camp. It is, it is quite <laughs> a tricky thing to do. And I sort of decided on purpose and not overthink it. So I just thought, okay, I'm just going to do the ones that come to mind and not kind of dwell on it too much because mm -hmm. there's obviously so many brilliant ads out there that if I kind of looked into it too much I think I'd get overwhelmed so yeah I kind of went with ones that um are kind of in my head generally in the background and so yeah I just kind of let them come to the foreground and they were the ones is that what they say uh, living in your head rent free there's like the, those kind <laughs> yeah. of ads that are always always going to be there um can I ask the last couple of episodes we've had with guests and things that have kind of come out over the, in, in the industry in terms of particularly the creative agency's role now and in in the future and kind of the question marks over that for a number of diff different reasons as as a global ECD yourself how are you finding it on on the ground and how, what does what does the current look like what does the the immediate future look like uh for for yourself and kind of people with it within similar roles yeah i mean i think our industry is going through huge change and change is obviously something that scares some people and invigorates others um i think there's no kind of holding on to the past like we have to keep up with change and that's something that, that I'm really keen to do and I think you know as a as a creative you're always looking forward you're always looking for that next kind of thing that's interesting um, AI obviously is going to play a huge role in that shift as we go forwards and we've you know noticed a lot of kind of mergers etc so it is a, a a kind of endless change but I like to think that there's always change going on in our industry and, and that's a positive thing. And it's just whether you embrace that and, and move with it or if you don't, you're 
kind of going to get left behind. But um, yeah, it, it's a, a strange time, but there's always a lot of um, opportunity in that situation, you know, when others are kind of fearing things or, or holding back, that's when you can really kind of push forward and make the most of that change, I think. Spot the gap and, and, and jump for it almost. Mm. And when when you're going to get a brief or you get a, a brand comes to you, does, does all that noise kind of fade away and, and kind of you can kind of get stuck into the work, the reasons why, the reason you're doing it in the first place? And and if so, is, is there a particular type of brief or brand that you naturally want to work more with uh, your, uh, and bring your skill set to the fore? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I more and more in recent times i've really and i've said this to a lot of people um but i've really kind of thought about what is it that makes a good creative that means that every time you're really excited and i and i don't mean this in any way in a derogatory way but i do think you have to have this kind of slight naivety um you've got to believe that the next brief is the one. You've got to think that every brief is going to bring about that opportunity to do the best work. Um, and I think that's what really separates good creatives partly. You know, there's obviously many other things. Um, for example, my wife would never do this job. Her and I will speak about this and she's almost kind of like, what's wrong with you that you still kind of bounce back every time um and obviously she has her own challenges in in her line of work and she's not a million miles away from what i do but it always makes me kind of think yeah it's interesting because i believe every time i genuinely believe that it's always going to be the next best thing and i suppose the day i stop believing is the day i need to stop doing this but um, for me, I think just um, a brief that has an opportunity and, you know, of course, we'd all love to work on those amazing Nike briefs. We'd all love to work on Coca-Cola or Airbnb, etc. But that's not the reality for a lot of us. And I think um, you've just got to take everything you get and just make the most of it because the most lame looking brief on paper can be turned around if you really want to and of course it's not always that simple but at least give it a go yeah i think that's that's a great point like i me and aaron always talk about with response to briefs it's focusing on the blank page that you get to start on to respond as yeah. opposed to potentially the five A four page with loads of stuff that you might need that you've been mm -hmm. handed, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that says go viral on it. Um, <laughs> so I think it's that moment where you stop focusing on the blank page you get to fill as your response as a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's uh, like when writing scripts or anything at the very beginning, you're like, this is a blank page. I can, I can write anything here that could do anything. It could change the world, could do whatever. And it's when you get to that stage, I think we've had it a few times in my career where you're like, okay, I've, I've had a bad run now. It's been three years. I need, I need a bit of time off. You kind of check it. You kind of, you check out for a bit and then you, it bubbles back up and you start getting excited again and you get a brief in and you have an idea and you're like, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, it's a, it's definitely one of those things that can absolutely like I think it's a certain type of person 
can keep coming back to it. It's like you said um, about your wife. My wife's a teacher and I always mm. look at her and go, I couldn't do that. Yeah. And it's but she loves it. So it's just different personalities yeah. that can just deal with different things and different pressures. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's finding the opportunity and being able to see and focus on the opportunity in a room as opposed to the negatives. Yeah, absolutely. And hats off to your wife. I I'm with you. I don't know how people do that, but it's such an important job. But I'd yeah. be terrible at that. So, yeah, it's horses for courses for sure. Exactly. It sounds like you're a very uh, glass half full type of person, mm. Joe, that you, you have the optimistic sunny side of life straight away, uh, even after, you know, it could have a string of rejections from campaign ideas or, or, or whatever. And that's a that's a good skill of resilience, uh, in fairness. Yeah, I think resilience is something that I didn't necessarily realize I had it until you kind of look back and you speak to people and you think, oh, Actually, I am very resilient and that's probably a good skill to have in this industry. Joe, I know we're about to jump into your great selection of ads uh, that we're going to go through, but if someone wants to skip and, and actually see your ads, is there, do you have a portfolio website that people can jump onto? I do. Um, it's joewallacecreative.com. Um, I only have like a bare minimum selection of work there. Um, and I sometimes, I was talking to my friend who I have known throughout my years in this industry and she said to me do you sometimes forget some of the things that you've done and I was like <laughs> yeah for sure it's like a really <laughs> weird situation when you have a moment and you suddenly remember an ad that you did that you know you've kind of forgotten about often for a good reason um but yeah um that's where you can find a sort of selection of my work but in in the whole I really love and I think this would go for most creatives. I, I love doing work that impacts in a really positive way. And of course, I'm under no illusion that I work in a commercial industry. Like I'm not a fine artist. I chose the path of being in a commercial um, situation and, and that's fine. I embrace that. And I know that at the end of the day, we have to sell things or we have to make a difference. We have to impact and change behavior. But I think when it can be done in a way that is more, I don't know, it feels better somehow when you're doing it for something that's genuinely a good cause. And that's something that I think is probably across the the whole, um, everyone that, that works as a creative. So a piece of work I'm still really proud of is um, a piece of work that we did, this is several years back, but for the National Centre for Domestic Violence, the NCDB for sure. And essentially it was a proactive piece of work. Um, we were coming up to the World Cup in 2018 and we found out, and when I say we, it was literally myself and two creatives. Um, and we realised that as you come up to a World Cup, we found these stats that during the World Cup, domestic violence surges. So it goes up by 26% when England plays and 38% if they lose. So this was obviously kind of like crazy figures and it's like a bomb almost waiting to go off. So we wanted to really get ahead of that. And we had a client, the NCDB, that we could do a campaign for that would be incredibly meaningful in this space. And NCDV offer free 
um, protective injunctions for people. So whoever you are, they give you a free um, legal advice to help you in, in your situation. So the other issue, though, is that as you're coming up to the World Cup, you know that there's so many brands that have got a ton of money that they're able to spend in that space. And there's obviously limitations to what you can do. So we literally only had creativity as our currency, essentially. Um, so we decided to go for it. We did this really visually striking campaign. We essentially reimagined flags. So the England flag, which I think most people, if they've seen this campaign, will have seen, was a pale lady's face close up. And the blood from her nose and lip formed the um, St. George's Cross. And it, the copy that went with it was, if England get beaten, so will she. Um, and we released this on social. It went viral, for want of a better phrase. And then we also reimagined other flags for other countries as they headed to knockout matches. So we did Japan, for example, um, it was a round bruise on a on a woman's shoulder. And we didn't really have any money behind this, but we managed to have kind of attention in the way that we never even dreamt of. It was incredible. We had kind of news across more than 100 platforms, across more than 18 countries, which was really incredible for a local campaign. And the police and National Health Service um, picked it up and sort of... Um, made it work for them as well and it, and it won a bunch of awards but more importantly it created an increase in calls of 20 percent, which mm. i think was the sort of ultimate takeout like yeah the gold can line was incredible but it's just so great that it actually made a difference and i think um that's the kind of work we'd all love to be able to do yeah that keeps um an amazing campaign uh yeah. by the way uh unbelievable campaign thank you uh, but that that keeps uh that keeps that that optimism that you can do next brief is good yeah. because when you see oh it actually can come true that you can have that impact that, yes that's uh it's really cool to see that in, in real life so yeah tip of the hat on, on that one that's a, that's a brilliant campaign um and i think that's an important thing as you said about um kind of if young creatives are listening to this like for every five insurance briefs there's going to be one brief that is going to do good you mm -hmm. know what i mean and i think it's trying to find an opportunity where you do get to express yourself and use all that know-how and all that knowledge and you're like yes here's something where i can actually make an impact you know mm -hmm. what i mean and as you said the awards are great but like the 20 percent rising call like that's that's phenomenal you know so um i think it's uh that campaign, I remember seeing it. So yeah, it's 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 an absolute fabulous piece of work. It's just so striking, you know. And I think that did they continue that on for the last um, couple of years into the Euros? Yes. I think so I've seen what, a few versions of it. Yeah. So what happened was that I think somebody happened to repost it around the time of the Euros, hmm. and um, it was on LinkedIn, and somebody from a media company said, oh, my God, I've not seen this. This is amazing. We must run this again for the Euros. And so I then reached out and said, we'd love for you to do that. And it ended up running in Wembley um, for the Euros. So, you know, it was just as relevant for, mm. for then. And that was just, again, an amazing – I think the brilliant thing is, and, of course, you know, you can't always get free media or rely on good 
deeds all the time. But the great thing about this campaign was that because it was so strong creatively and because people believed in it, we were really able to sort of sail a bit of a wave of goodwill from media companies. So it made all the difference and, you know, huge thanks to everyone that really helped with it. And, you know, even from the photographer, um, Neil Raja, to, to everyone that was involved, you know, we all did it on a kind of side hustle kind of vibe, mm -hmm. but it was just worth it. You all rowing together mm. it, for, for the good of the, the campaign. That's great. And is that is that is there visuals of that up on, on your website that you said? Yes. There? Brilliant. That's it gives the, the URL as well, just as a reminder if someone wants to pop on and have a look at those. Uh JoeWallaceCreative.com. Perfect. Brilliant. Well thanks uh thanks Joe for for, for that. Um so we, we might go into your selection of ads from yeah. uh from that terrifying question I asked you when uh, when I invited you to come on to this, the, the Remember show. Remember so. now, Joe, you will be judged by everyone listening. <laughs> so uh, what's the first terrible ad that you chose for the, for the podcast show? Well, I'm going to really show my age here. Um, but this ad was one that as a teenager, I was just mesmerized by. It really kind of like struck me. Um, and I remember even ordering the orange tango doll that was up on offer and I had it for years. I think I might have finally parted ways a bit in my move to L.A. Um, but it was really interesting because this is from 1992, 93, roughly. Um, and little did I know when I was watching this ad and thinking like, wow, this is incredible. But seven years later, I was lucky enough to get a really like much coveted job at the agency that created it, which was um, HHCL and Partners. And the team that created this ad um, back then was Trevor Robinson and Al Young. And I've ended up working with both of them at different times. So when I joined HHCL and Partners, Al Young was still there um, as a creative director. And then after around three years at um, HHCL, my creative partner and I, we then moved to Quiet Storm which was the agency and production company that Trevor Robinson set up um, shortly after creating that ad. And then we worked with Trevor there for six years, which honestly were the, some of the best years that I've had in advertising. And um, he gave myself and my creative partner the opportunity to direct, which we jumped on. So we got to take everything from the brief to creating the ideas to then directing um seeing it through edit etc i mean it was just such a formative and kind of steep learning curve for us um i always look back on fondly and trevor's still a, a good friend of mine so yeah this this is an ad that i think at the time it really shifted advertising i think hhcl had a, a really different approach to advertising they were very kind of um radical in their thinking and the way that they went about things and this ad i believe has been listed as one of the top three ads of all time in one of those you know those polls that you wonder who they've asked but for me it's definitely rightfully there um and it just has a really interesting approach to it that yeah just was different at the time. Cool. Brilliant. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at it and come back and discuss. Hello, Tony. I think we might use a video replay here. Super, Ralph. Let's do that. Oh, 
Yes, we could be in for a quintessential tango to sensation here. Why, yes, Tony, let's look again. Yes, Ralph, the big orange fella ran in from the left and he gives him a good old slapping. It just illustrates the bite and buzz oh, of real oranges in tango. Yes, Ralph, super taste sensation, smashing drink, lovely. You know where you've been tangoed. I have not seen that piece of work in years. Yeah, an absolute classic. It just looks so dated now as well, which is it, well, what the, the guys are dressed that well. People are starting to dress like that now again. Yes, but, so uh, true. Yeah, yeah, my twenty-one-year-old brother dresses like that. <laughs> yeah, but did, sorry, go on. Did that ad get banned? Yeah, so I think it got banned because kids were going into school and yeah. slapping each other, and I think someone ended up with a perforated eardrum possibly um so then they did a version that was a kiss so i think he then ran up they re-edited it he kissed yeah. the person instead um but yeah i mean then it, that got banned <laughs> probably but the fact that it, it was like a big headlines. smoochy kiss wasn't it they had that real uh, that real cartoon <laughs> kiss sound i think i know that one as well <laughs> amazing yeah. so and I remember um, the strategist who was still at HHCL when I was there and very much kind of, you know, maybe rightly, maybe wrongly wanting to take credit for the fact that on the brief, the proposition was the real hit of oranges. But I think the creativity that went into transferring that thought into a really memorable, impactful ad was mm. was great and i and i think trevor's mentioned that at that point they were watching a lot of kind of american football and they would do those replays and so it really shows that it matters what you're having kind of come into your fuel tank of creativity because they wouldn't have done that idea had they not have been watching that so yeah i think it's really interesting and, yeah, I think it definitely taps into that era of the, the, the VHS being in every single home as well. <laughs> yeah. So even if you used to record TV yourself, you'd be like, wait, go back, <laughs> go again, go back, go again. And it's like you felt like you were in a, a studio and you were in charge <laughs> of everything. You're like, I'd love to replay absolutely everything. And I think it really brings that kind of control to life that mm -hmm. was really happening, uh, happening in people's uh, in people's lives with the VHS. Yeah. And what it allowed was, you know, if you listen to the voiceover, it's a very product heavy mm. selling fact that this is, you know, oranges, etc. But it gets away with it because creatively you're engaged. So it's it, kind of a it lesson feel, in that. It doesn't feel like they're shoving it down your, no. down no. your throat because it's well, they're it's giving you a replay. lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's 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 part of it's a natural naturally in the in the dialogue. Yeah. But there's there's uh, I know this ad's a classic and we've seen it for years obviously had a, has even a, a big impact on on, on you personally and professionally even and you know that's all grand you know it as a classic but when you do rewatch it like we've just done it there there's there's a lot of confidence in the wacky idea of uh, a large orange man mm. running around and giving you a slap in the face mm -hmm. like that if, if if someone came into the office and and pitched that as an idea, you'd be like, what what have you been smoking before this meeting kind of thing? <laughs> so like, I I love it when you you have those moments where you realize it and go, 
they still did it. Mm. They actually got it through to the other end. It actually got made as opposed to just a wacky idea that died on a boardroom floor or yeah. a creative room floor. Yeah, and it really heralded an age of tango doing a lot of really interesting work. So, you know, it went from this sort of dusty can in a chip shop to a really kind of prominent product that people talked about and knew about and wanted to buy. So it absolutely turned around their fortunes. And I think a part of the brief was to make them famous. And it totally did that. It really does. And you know when you've been tangoed, like, became oh, part of yes. the zeitgeist. Like, I've never had a tango in my entire life. <laughs> but, right, that that slogan, like, mm-hmm. it's it transcends the product. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it was like... Like I'm trying to think, I, I I was trying to think why I've never had a tango. Maybe it's because Club Orange here was so dominant. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, but the brand I know the brand so well, yeah. and even like pre my advertising days, like I remember the ads. It's like Iron Brew is another one. I've never had yes. an Iron Brew, but the brand I know. Like I respect the brand. I don't think yeah. Iron Brew's bad. It's just not in my uh, my taste palette, shall mm-hmm, we say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But even the pap shot at the end, like the thought of we're going to put it on his head and the words are going to be on the back of his head. Like the attention to detail there, I think, was really something that perhaps we don't always see now. So, yeah, it's it's good to look back sometimes. Even the background image is the fruit market Mm. blurred out. Mm. So, like, they kept everything within the the universe of that CCTV yeah. angle yeah. with the fruit and veg market in the background, which which is cool. It's, I think it's lovely. And that's an amazing ad to uh, open up your, your account with. That's, uh, that's really been a, <laughs> an eye-opener. I always uh, I always think as well, though, just say, as you said, Joe, it's good to look back. I always think sometimes, like, the situational creative of it, like, in a sense, like, would have been shot probably on film, would have been shot you know what i mean all these mm-hmm. things are much bigger investments and feel a lot bigger and feel much longer to get feedback from yeah so it feels like it's like you're building something that has to hold up for a long period of time and you have mm-hmm. to commit yourself the whole way through it you can't half arse it and do yeah. a b testing and like be like is it this word or that word you're like no we got to think about this because we're about to invest a ton of money into it it's going to live on tv for maybe 10 years yeah so it's i mean um, i guess the difference is that back then we were very limited in our media you know we had four channels i don't know whether we had five by then but that was you could get the eyeballs of the nation very simply and Mm -hmm. that's simply not the case now you know you've got kind of platforms there's just a, a ton of stuff coming at everybody from all angles and therefore things have changed. But I think um, it does stand the test of time in the sense of it's an idea that engages, it motivates oh, yeah. and it, it makes you kind of think. So as much as times have changed and there's no going back, um, yeah, it's a really kind of prominent thing in my head that I've stopped using it as a reference because if I ever say this to teams that are much younger than me they just look at me like what are you talking about so yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, no one wants that I put it to bed <laughs> as a reference that I have but it's so funny like with stuff like that when you're talking to younger teams I remember me and Aaron's old boss in, in media works when we were we used to plan media back in the day was telling us about how he used to post media plans to his clients 
Mm. And like we'd be getting wow. emails when we'd be in the pub and he remembers like, no, that won't be in. That will be here till Thursday. Or he'd be in the pub and the client would be like, where is the plan? And he's like, it's in the post. You'll oh get it God. tomorrow or something. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, that was like, think how slower the world was in a term of like taking your time to think something. It's like, well, yeah. I can send it now or I can send it at 6 p.m. tonight. It's going to be there at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like that extra eight hours of consideration that you mm. used to be allowed when doing any type of thing. Um, yeah, we're like just... in warp speed time now. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I, I, I listen to the BBC Maestro stuff and um, Alan Moore, I'm watching his one, the comic book writer at the minute. And he's talking about like the first people who ever wrote and how essentially they were like superheroes because they could take thoughts from their brain and send it somewhere else. So mm. if you couldn't do that, like you could never, no one could ever mass communicate before mm. writing. And yep. he was trying to give you the context of like how important the written word is historically yeah. and like reframing it. And I, I always think of my old boss talking about sending out plans for your post. And I was like, that world would just seem crazy. <laughs> like, so but, my, uh, um, my old creative partner, my art director, she remembers a time when she'd have to cut things out and place them and <laughs> and i mean that's just yeah it's not something that anyone would know of nowadays and we should bring it back i think we, we should, should bring it's sometimes. certainly a different yeah. world isn't it uh well let's let's move on to your second choice then uh joe what's the second ad that you picked yeah so this next ad is it's a kind of a sequel to the much talked about colin kaepernick ad um, which ended with the words dream crazy. And this ad um, is titled Dream Crazier and it features amongst many Serena Williams, both visually and as the voiceover. And it really does speak to the sheer determination and crazy, crazy dreams that a woman needs to hold on to when navigating the male dominated world of sport. And I think even if you're not in the world of sports, you can still massively relate to aspects of this. Um, and I remember when I first saw it, it just literally made the hairs on my arm stand up and, and honestly moved me to tears. And still now, uh, if I watch it, it makes me cry. Um, it just feels like so truthful and um, it kind of, recognizes something that I think women can really relate to. So it spoke to an audience in a way that I think was just phenomenally poignant. Wow, powerful stuff. Um, well, let's, uh, let's have a quick look and, and come back. If we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we dream of equal opportunity, we're delusional. When we're too good, there's something wrong with us. And if we get angry, we're hysterical, irrational, or just being crazy. But a woman running a marathon was crazy. Officials tried to pull her off the course. A woman boxing was crazy. A woman dunking, coaching an NBA team, competing in a hijab, or winning 23 grand slams, having a baby, and then coming back for more, crazy. Crazy, 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 and crazy. So if they want to call you crazy, fine. Show them what crazy can do. 
dead. Yeah. I only I watched that it. recently love... for some reason. I don't know, that came up. I was watch, I, mm. I watched that recently enough, but I, I hadn't seen it in a while. It's just a fabulous piece. Just yeah. so strong. And I um, love that it owns crazy. Like, it takes yeah. crazy, you know... Women can easily be called things like crazy and the fact that it kind of takes it back and owns it, I think is um, really powerful. And yeah, it's just incredible. It almost, it, defend, it, it weaponizes that word for a def- as a defense yeah. mechanism in a, in a good way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It turns the, it completely turns the tables of, well, that, that word's meant to hurt, but no, that word's going to empower them. Do you know, I think, yeah. uh, and I, I, th- I think it's brilliant. I think as well, like it kind of equalizes that word in sport because an awful lot of top athletes are crazy anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And regardless of <laughs> any gender or anything, to try yeah. and be the 0.001 percent of <laughs> anything, you are. You has to be something crazy about you. Yeah. Like it's like that. Is it? Is it? Um, Hillary who, who climbed uh, um, Everest with no oxygen. It's like, why'd you go up there to die? I went up there to live like mm-hmm. crazy, <laughs> you know, yep. but yep. it's 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 deemed in one gender to be a complimentary thing and it's deemed in another to be negative. So it's equalizing yes. that word that it's like female athletes embrace this. This is be crazy. This is part of it. It's not something looked down upon. It's yeah. something to aspire to. And I just think, as you said, the truth of that is uh is just so poignant in that piece and like even the even the aspect ratio the choice of like this kind of more um 916 portrait more kind of focal really pushing the eye making it feel real intimate almost real Mm -hmm. you you can't there is no anything else going on apart from what you're exactly looking at and i think that really kind of capitalizes on that as well yeah it's a it's it's a great priest i love serena anyway so i don't think serena's in i'll watch <laughs> yeah. she's just unbelievable and i because because i sent you the link to it i happened mm. to look at some of the comments oh, yeah. and some of them made me so angry there was stuff like <laughs> never read um, the comments <laughs> i know i know but there was stuff like oh this is a great ad but why would you use serena she's been shown time and time again to not be a good sportswoman like you've literally just nailed the entire point of this ad yeah. you don't even realize you've done that because when McEnroe did it I was just about to say Johnny Mac like amazing and outspoken yeah. and a brilliant showman but if Serena gets a bit annoyed about a bad call she's a yeah. bad sportswoman like you've underlined what the problem is but you don't even realize it and that for me showcases the real reality of how big the issue is and it's such a shame that they can have just just watched the ad and still not get it <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what i mean if the, if the ad is the reason that this is the message to convince them not you know obviously you can't convince everyone it's going to take a few different touch points but you're yeah. like fair enough if you were like out in a pub and you said something that ignorant and you're like okay they hadn't just watched a really powerful mm. 60 seconds that made the point <laughs> against it. and you're like what the hell are we going to have to say to you to convince you? <laughs> yeah, it's, and it shows you uh, that you, you just, I think that's the thing about um, advertising. Like we can sometimes live in this bubble where mm. we know that this has done an amazing job or it's won an award and we're all talking about it. But the truth of the matter is there's still a ton of people that you haven't convinced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're, we do well to sometimes remember that, you know, like, the levels you've got to go to 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 reach some people is pretty out there. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's a, um, when Dave Trott was on, he was just talking about thinking about the normal, the punter. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the, uh, like, uh, uh, kind of touching on that bubble that we can kind of live in and advertising some lights. Like, how do you convince that person on the street yeah. to give a shit? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. But uh, regardless of those stupid comments, this piece of work <laughs> is fabulous. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but like, every argument against it is already batted away by the fact that Serena who's narrating it and is the main star because she's literally one of the best athletes yeah. Yeah. as any sport to have ever ever played any game so like it automatically any arguments or 99.9% it, like, um, wiped away straight away I saw something but I wish I could remember the, the stats but I saw a piece that was in this realm where they'd asked various men um like your typical average on the street guy and they'd Mm -hmm. all said I could return a ball from Serena like I could return Serena's serve and then they showed them trying to and none of them could and I just found that so insightful it was like in your head you genuinely still think because she's a woman you could beat her and yet in reality you can't get anywhere near serving like returning her serve and it was just such a kind of poignant example of the ludicrousy that, you know, I would never dream of thinking I could return a serve the, from her. But that's the, the reality of many people. I, the one thing I'd have a, a question there is as well, I wonder if you ask those same people, because just the kind of hubris of some people, mm. would you return uh Nadal serve. I mm. bet you there's still a lot of them would go, yeah, I could return a serve. Yeah, I could probably. return this. Like, because... Both Serena and Nadal are in the top point percent <laughs> yeah. of people who can hit a tennis ball. Like the gap from you play tennis once a year to returning a serve. A lot of them probably don't even play. Even That's they probably don't thing. have a racket. Like yeah, it's funny. Just some people are just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but we see it all so, the time. Uh, like when you watch football supporters shouting at the TV about what yeah. the players should be doing. I always find it hilarious. I'm just like, what would do you, like, do you actually think you could do a better yeah, job? Yeah, it's so weird. Crazy, crazy. That's the Billy Conley joke. Remember <laughs> that joke he had with, was it a gym? Uh, there was, he set up a premise of a gymnast doing all these somersaults in the air and blah, 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 blah. And then she lands and her foot moves. And it's like, oh. <laughs> oh and rubbish. he's like, and he's, he, he starts commenting on this judge being like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who is that in age? <laughs> Just because she moved her foot. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's the same thing. It's like... Uh, yeah it's like but then i remember i was reading about something recently about um mirror neurons when people are watching sport right so it, it if we watch if we watch something we've done it fires a different part of our brain if you've ever engaged in that and i as as, as an ex-rugby player i engage i feel that a lot when mm. i watch rugby you kind of hands get a bit sweaty yeah, and like you uh, i remember you're living it you're like yeah but then but th- to your point there's a lot of people who don't even have the mirror neuron yeah. <laughs> that they still but see i think for part of them there's a lot of people who seem to watch sport that part of it is shouting abuse yeah <laughs> that seems to be it's like it's cathartic that is the sport <laughs> it's what it must, it it's, must be part yeah. of the appeal actually that you can almost sort of for those 90 minutes put yourself in that position and feel that you are achieving that there must be some kind of psychological reason that it's so popular that you're like i am doing this yeah but you're not <laughs> like... yeah you're making it's, it feels like what like 
anonymous Twitter trolls had before Twitter anonymous Twitter trolling. You know yep. what I mean? It's like it was socially acceptable for me to go up here and shout at that football, multi-million pound footballer mm -hmm. after I've had a couple of drinks. Um, and if I say something funny, the 10 people around me will laugh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's it's weird. I, 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 once again, I'd interestingly love to see like if someone tracked their brain while they were doing it as to what is firing? What is driving this? Yeah. I think we're going to see a campaign on Joe's uh, portfolio site in a year or two where that where they're going to have <laughs> modules on people's heads giving abuse. And it'll go, oh, serves. they don't have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't find it. Yeah, the, the thing just wouldn't fire. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, that's I can't believe we're already moving on to your 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 final ad, Joe. That's that's absolutely flown by. Mm. Uh, two great ones to to work through. So, are you going to stick the landing? Are you going to get the the ten <laughs> points for the for the final ad? Uh, what's what's the third one we're going to watch? So this one is a kind of slight deviation. It's not like a simple film. It's much more of a a bigger activation piece. Which personally, I absolutely love things that go beyond your classic media and they just kind of infiltrate life and culture in a way that nothing else does um, and I remember when I saw this and I it's really interesting because when you look at the case study of this they don't really mention this in the way that I think they should because for me the most like groundbreaking thing about this idea was that they recognized that the United Nations has an environmental charter which means that in theory, those countries within the United Nations have a responsibility to help clean up another country that declares an environmental emergency. For me, that is the absolute mind-blowing mm. nugget that the creatives then went from, but they kind of don't mention it, which frustrates me, um, which is why I, I've mentioned it. But to get to the point, basically, um, several years ago, they realized that there was an area of accumulative plastic floating in the sea that was the size of France. And so what they did, knowing that the UN had this responsibility to another country, they made this a country. So they went out of their way to make this area of plastic a, la a, you know, a country, and they called it the Trash Isles. And this was Lad Bible and AMV BBDO. Um, and they did it with a sense of humor. So obviously we all know that plastic and the environment, like it's something that we kind of live under this cloud. We know it's horrendous, but sometimes it just feels overwhelming. But I think what mm -hmm. was so great about this campaign is that they did it with a sense of humor, that it meant that you could engage and it felt something that we could all be a part of. So they created this country called the trash isles they pushed the un to acknowledge them and in doing so they had to kind of have certain criteria so they had an official flag which i think is a beautiful piece of design it's like a white top and a blue bottom with a sort of plastic bottle halfway floating but a beautiful piece of graphic design they had a currency called debris and they had passports that were made from recycled materials and then instead of just being this kind of classic thing of, oh, isn't this awful, let's get people to sign a petition, they drove people to become a citizen. So you weren't just signing a petition, you actually were kind of like signing up to be a citizen. And in doing so, you were effectively signing a petition to you know, help make change here. 
And then they had things like they had um, the the former vice president Al Gore was an honorary citizen, and and Dame Judi Dench was the Trash Isles Queen, and it was just. <laughs> brilliant but i mean for me it's stuck in my head ever since as something that they identified this loophole they went for it and they did it with a sense of humor and there's footage where in the un you know the kind of conference of the un they are acknowledging that this is something they need to do something about um so it also had impact and mm. i just think it's super clever Brilliant. I think there's a case study. We might have a quick look at the case study. Cool. Brilliant. In the Pacific Ocean, there is so much plastic, an area the size of France has formed. Governments have simply ignored it. So we found a way to ensure they couldn't by turning the country-sized trash patch into an official country. All the trash isles. To trash isles. A la isla de plástico. The zil qui belle. The trash isles. Introducing the trash isles. On World Oceans Day, the Plastic Oceans Foundation and Ladvibe submitted an application to the United Nations to recognize the Trash Isles as an official country. Because under the laws of the UN, other countries are then obliged to clean it up. Declared the part of the ocean where all the trash is gathered, the plastic, the Trash Isles. Has the petition been received and what's your, your take on it? I think it's a very innovative and creative way uh, to bring attention to to a problem that is often not uh, not seen. Having met the criteria to become a country, the Trash Isles began recruiting citizens online. In the first few weeks, we had more citizens than some countries. The Trash Isles had everything an official country needs. A currency called debris, a passport for new citizens, and a national flag. We even had big-name celebrities signing up. I think this is the first honorary citizenship I've had from any emerging nation. Thank you very much. Trash Isles citizenship. Trash Isles. Trash Isles. Some even took on official roles. I'm Judy Dench, the Trash Isles Queen. I will be the best secretary of your defense that I can. With over 200,000 citizens, 50 million video views, and half a billion people reached. The trash aisles put the plastic problem firmly on the map. I will make reference to the trash aisles from here on out. So, yeah, that's a that's a fabulous piece of work. It's funny that you said it's sticking in your head. It's one of those pieces of work that when I'm trying to explain, because at Faux, me and Aaron, we kind of do non-traditional advertising, an awful mm. lot of activation stuff with brands, with media owners as well, mm. directly bringing into clients. And people are like, what do you do in advertising? And I'm trying to like show the scope of, you can do interesting things yeah. like this. And uh, it's because this is a, a real um, close to my heart. Because do you know Sealand off the coast mm. of the UK? You know, the, the oil rig. Yeah. And I always, I got obsessed with that. I remember a friend of mine read about it and was like, that was an oil rig. A family owned it. They tried to declare their own sovereign, um, mm. being a sovereign nation. They have a football team with one of the actors from Royal Family plays wow. on it with them. And I was just obsessed with this kind of like boyhood in curiosity of like, oh my God, they just created their own country. 
And this was the same thing. When I remember when I heard this, I was like, this is the most fun in the world. This is just yeah. playing make-believe with real grown-ups. Yeah. And I th always was hoping, because Lad Bible, and, and one, just seeing Lad Bible, which is obviously a real tongue-in-cheek type of publication, doing something so interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always thought they had an opportunity where they could have, like Sealand, they could have put on a football they could have yes. recruited ex-football players and do that kind of World Eleven thing. And yeah. I think they could have made it a yearly thing then where the Trash Isles plays the rest of the world or something yeah. like that. But um, I feel I like love the, the sad campaign. thing is that it had this amazing, and I may be wrong here, but I mm -hmm. believe like they could have, like you, they could have really gone on and on and on with it. And I don't you know, there's always, I mean, they did incredibly well to get as far as yeah. they got, but it feels as though, did it then sort of die? I don't want to feel yeah. like it died, but I feel like they could have done like so much They set up a country, it. like mm. you, with, the, with, the, with the real investment or commitment to the bit there is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this country exists now. So yeah. like to even just give a small amount of resources every two years to be like, okay, we'll do an event. Yeah. Or we'll do something to just keep it because the plastic's not gone. And yeah. the, maybe the only reason the campaign ends is once it is actually properly cleared up. But yeah, I'd say, look, it it's an amazing campaign. You don't so wanna, I don't want to take away from it. But I, I think that even shows, that's testament to how good the campaign is that like yeah. we'd get excited to think yeah, of other ways like, to execute it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You want more of it. Yeah. Um, but I just love it. The currency. I, I, love, I, lo I love everything about it. And as yeah, you rightly brilliant. said, I'd love that moment when whoever it was, was sitting, obviously reading a UN charter or was mm -hmm. sitting in a pub and someone told them that, you know, the UN have to, or mm -hmm. however they got the information and went, really? And that's the <laughs> and then key. This, yeah, that's 100%. That's why I think, um, and another thing that makes good creative stand out, you've got to do your research because if you can unlock something, like, of course, we all hope the strategists will have got there and done that. But mm -hmm. sometimes you as a creative, you've got to do your research and find these things out because suddenly you've got this amazing idea that you wouldn't have known about otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I don't really fancy reading a UN charter, but it paid <laughs> off in this case. <laughs> yeah. I'd say this is the only time it would pay off. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's done. It's like when someone you know wins a scratch card that ruins mm -hmm. your opportunity to ever win a scratch card in your entire <laughs> life because the chances of both of you, it's out the window. I know. So you should we'll always hate your there. friends. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a great example of activation, the non-traditional type of advertising and yeah. just the fun you can have with it yeah. while also still tackling a serious issue. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's that's one that, that we reference a lot, just even to back and forth with ourselves and it's because it's just such a really, oh, I get it. Yeah. Kind of one for, for, for people. It's like a good entry level one, but shows the scale, literally the global scale uh, you can go to. So I'm delighted someone's actually finally brought it onto the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yay. So, so fair play. Thank you. Thank you so much. You it, stuck the landing, Joe. Selection. You stuck the <laughs> yes. landing. Yeah, it is. No, uh, ten, 10 points, 10 points. Uh, from us 100% um, thank you so much they were they were a great selection of ads uh, thank you and uh, yeah delighted to have them in the archive and and obviously we've uh, we, we, we've we've um, we know your, your, your site to look at your great work but uh, you're also founder of uh, Good Girls Eat Dinner can you tell us a little bit about that yeah um, so the brief version I guess is that um Years ago, when I was at Saatchi and Saatchi, I was asked to give a talk about being a female creative director. And I knew that if I did a talk, I'd kind of be preaching to the choir. 
So I thought, okay, how can I get female creativity out there to the masses, to the mainstream that probably wouldn't attend a talk by me? Um, so we did this big exhibition. It was called There's a Good Girl, um, named after a book by the um, author Marion Grabrucker, in which she talks about trying to raise her daughter in a gender neutral world. So in short, we had 20 amazing artists and all sorts of kind of media um, they worked in exhibit and it re and it reached a lot of press and I saw the hunger and sort of excitement I guess of of seeing these female creative role models and I'd had this idea in mind about doing a, a regular dining event where I'd have kind of amazing female speakers speak between the courses of a meal so that just really ignited the sort of like, let I'm going to do this. So I then launched Good Girls Eat Dinner um, and I've done it since 2015. Um, it was basically uh, every two months I'd have these four incredible speakers talk between the courses of a meal. Everyone from Laura Jordan Banback to uh, Kathy Newman from Channel 4 News to Alison Jackson, the infamous artist, to, you know, the first black um, stunt woman in Hollywood. So just really amazing speakers. And they would just speak for 10 minutes between the courses of a meal. And the venues have been places such as, you know, uh, the Design Museum, the Club at the Ivy, Searses at the top of the Gherkin. So really kind of like prominent cool. places. And it's just always had such a good response um people absolutely love it I've had women come up to me afterwards and say I'm going to go into work tomorrow with a different vibe I've just I feel kind of empowered or I've had women say I'm finally going to start that business that I wanted to start and and they've never looked back and it's it's always been a non-profit um thing that I do on the side I just run it on my own, I organise the venues, etc. I even cut out blooming name things for the table plaids. I, I love it. Like, it's a passion project. Um, but since moving to LA, until I get a kind of physical form of it here, I've mm -hmm. launched the um, Good Girls Eat Dinner podcast, which is, I guess you could call it the takeout form. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. You can have a listen on the go. And instead of four women for 10 minutes, it's one woman for 40 minutes plus. Um, and the first guest was the incredible Cindy Gallup. But I've had a whole range of brilliant speakers. Um, and the first season is all out and up on Spotify, if you'd like to take a listen. But yeah, as I was saying to you guys, I completely understand the, the sort of hard work that it takes to do a podcast the sorting out the interviews the guests and then the the editing which I've taught myself to do but it's <laughs> it's hard so kudos to you both Fair yeah and, that and, amazing. and to you podcaster you. podcaster well well done just keep yeah. it going <laughs> one, share, one week at a time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant so we'll catch up on the support group after this podcast uh, but everyone else can check out uh, good girls eat dinner um uh on on spotify uh joe thank you so much for joining us on the podcast it's been uh, an absolute pleasure and uh, loved loved the ads you brought loved the ads you've made uh, so it was, a, it was a genuine pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you thank you so much it's been brilliant 
And if anyone was uh, listening and wants to see the good ads, go to workwithfo.e forward slash podcast where you can see the full episode uh, on video there. So until next week, goodbye.